Crimes While Caffeinated contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. So here we are. Bangs I have and bangs. Yay. I have bangs. That is the big news in my life, everybody. I have bangs. I, Abby, one of your co-hosts of Crimes All Caffeinated, welcome, by the way, have bangs. Yes, it is legendary. It is. I have not had bangs since I was a child, and I have not changed my hair since since I got rid of the bangs when I was 10. <laughs> or I was going to say, like, you had it cut relatively short, like our first year of college. Like, I it did. Was shoulder length almost. That was the shortest I think I've ever seen it. No, my senior year of college was the shortest year. Our senior year of college was the shortest I'd ever cut it. Um, oh, and really? that was like, yeah. Cause like when my freshman year, like freshman year was, it was like a little bit past my shoulder, but like, it was like almost at shoulder length. Mm. Hmm. And then it grew out and then I cut it short again. Well, I like the bangs. They look very seventies with the whole long hair and it was very, very, very cute. Um, Abby introduced herself. I am Marissa, your other co-host who does not have bangs, but I've got blonde hair. So there's that. But She's, she's blonde today. But I change it all the time. So <laughs> but yeah. So uh, and um, happy early birthday, Abby. Because tomorrow, oh when this comes out, it'll be Abby's birthday. So when you hear this, go give her a shout out or or say happy birthday or comment on her lovely Instagram, as I'm sure she's going to post a birthday pic. Yep, I'm going to post the bang reveal. Sadly, I posted this late, so her birthday was actually yesterday, but still go give her a shout out. The bang reveal. I love that um, Yes, it's very exciting. I've tried to been thinking. I've been trying to think of a caption. Uh, what caption I'm gonna put? New hair, don't care. No, um, no. New. I was new year, new me. Tw- uh, twenty five, looking great. I'm not twenty five. I'm twenty six, bitch. I'm turning twenty six. No uh-huh. more health insurance. Okay, so I just said that, and I was like, oh, yeah. But then I was like, wait, I'm older than you, Abby. But then I just remembered that I'm turning 27. You are turning 27. Can we all just appreciate Leah just sitting on the table? He was just, like, snuggling in one of my jackets I threw on the table. Hello, baby. Hi, Leo. Hey, baby. Okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I'll just sit on my head. It's fine. Um, so um, what are you drinking today, Abby? Oh. Nothing, clearly. Nothing. Okay. If you, want, if you want me to, I can go grab a beverage right this second. You can go grab one. I have a Diet Pepsi currently, even though I am a Diet Coke girl. All right. Well, I will be right back with a Coke. Not a Diet one, but a regular one. <laughs> Ooh. 
Oh, that gave me tingles. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, girl. So we're cast- going to start my professional career as an ASMR. ASMR. I mean, I mean, worst comes to worst. If this podcast doesn't work out, like. We can start a podcast. An ASMR podcast. <laughs> okay anyways uh, I'll cut that out don't worry um, <laughs> so um, Abby you are now drinking Coca-Cola I am drinking Diet Pepsi um, so we are being caffeinated right now just not as high caffeinated as coffee but we are again are feel- filming late because I've been on duty for like over a month and just haven't been able to do anything come Sunday so which is our typical okay. normal uh, filming schedule. So. Yes. Um, but we still love you, and it's okay that we're filming at night. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, so um, uh, do you want to do a check-in, and then we'll jump in? Or are you like, let's just jump on into it, girl? Um, yeah, let me just check in with you real quick. How many days in a row have you played Princess okay. Party so Time? I, so I literally today texted um, Aaron and Abby in our group chat for Crimes While Caffeinated um, to like, I, I was like, I dare you to ask how many days I've played that app that I had mentioned all the way back in like January. Um, and I was like, Abby, like, I dare you to ask me how many days in a row I have played this game. And so there is like every day you log in, you get a certain prize. So it counts it. So I am now officially on day 96 of dress up time princess and I dress up time princess. And I still haven't finished the Queen Marie Antoinette uh, chapter book. So, um... <laughs> okay, here's the thing, though. I just like collecting the elephants. You like collecting and building little cities on your little thing. So I love I love building cities on my little board game. Yes, and my. Um, my computer does not have any space anymore to de- re-download all of the Sims that I have because I am a Sims player. So let me have this. <laughs> but okay. also I need to do something else with my life. Um, if I could like work out for 96 days in a row, like, but instead I sit down on my ass and play a game that's definitely meant for children but there has been people who have been murdered in my game so so (laughs) pg-13 all right well um, that's my check-in i guess that's marissa's check-in she's been playing princess party princess dress up time whatever it's called yeah and i've i repotted my um my succulent slash uh snake plant today so Noise. And my check-in is that uh, over the weekend, my friends, uh, my friends and I, just a couple of friends, and Anna and I got together, and we had a little mini birthday party for me. 
Yay! Was it themed? No, it was not themed. <laughs> um, we d- Cassidy did, though, get me an amazing birthday gift, which was the board game version of Wheel of Fortune. <gasps> That's fun! Because I'm really good... Um, sorry, I keep burping. I drank too much coke at once. You're good. <clears throat> ASMR, that's the theme. ASMR burps. Um, <laughs> so I'm really good at Wheel of Fortune. I'm, I'm pretty good at word games, like in general. I have a I have a, one of those brains that's like oriented to word games. Okay. So I really, I really like playing word games. And <laughs> um, so she got like you know, every Monday we go, we go to Cassidy's and there's like a little, um, we go, we eat dinner and then we watch Bachelor or Bachelorette or whatever's on. And, uh, so, but we're watching ABC. So obviously before Bachelor or Bachelorette, you've got Wheel Wheel and Jeopardy. Mm. You've got Jeopardy, then Wheel of Fortune. So, uh, we watch it and I am always, uh, incredibly amazing at it. Yeah. I'm okay at Family Feud. <laughs> I'm I'm okay at Family Feud. Jeopardy, sometimes I'm good at it. I don't know how they know so many authors off the top of their head, especially for the English ones, but um, I've never honestly watched a full uh, Wheel of Fortune. So Oh, I love Wheel of Fortune. It's mm. America's game. <laughs> That's what they I, say at the beginning of everything. I guessed that much. <laughs> it's America's game. <laughs> Okay, well, um, I'm going to turn this into a segue somehow. Um, In the game of life. uh, (laughs) America's other game, capitalism. (laughs) Capitalism, (laughs) yeah. Um, So today we have decided that we are going to stray away from murder a little bit. um, And and focus on bribery. um, Yeah, so... um, (laughs) We are talking about um, the Netflix documentary Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal, which is the largest college admission scandal in U.S. history and um, only broke in 2019, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think they said 2018 and it was when. They, oh, like, no, 2019. Day. I'm looking up at it. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I asked and then I look up at the Wikipedia page and it's 2019 college admissions bribery scandal. Yeah, so it was it was 2019. I think like they said the like when it the started. FBI. Yeah, when the well, FBI was, like starting to like watch him and whatever was in mm-hmm. 20. 18 right yes exactly so we're going to jump on into it um abby and i have our own personal experience because one off we both are privileged enough to have gone to college um but as you guys know we met in college we also both worked as admissions uh students Mm -hmm. um so we definitely um I feel like we definitely have some like not inside knowledge, but we definitely have a very different experience of a normal college student, um, I would say, because we had to kind of sell our school to other people. Mm -hmm. And we did have like, we did have, uh, we did have some experience in seeing the like 
uh, how how prioritized athletics is in college admissions. Yes. Um, even though our school wasn't like we didn't go to a big Ivy League school or anything. No, but we were we were Division two. So Division two does um, you do get a decent amount of money versus Division three doesn't offer money the same way. And then obviously right. Division one is the Offers. like. Yeah, it offers the most. They're basically treated like professional athletes. They're the ones you see on TV. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you're following um, Sedona on TikTok. So she's a basketball player for Ohio State, Mm. Ohio State University, and they um, had their like. You do you remember like when they had their championships and um, they were posting like a picture of the met like videos of the men's gym versus videos of the women's gym? Yes, that's okay. So she was one of the people posting during that time. Okay, and so she's she's like, you know, twenty twenty one. She's now like a full blown celebrity on TikTok, (laughs) TikTok star, and uh, just for being, I mean, she's six foot seven, so like. It's pretty impressive yeah. um, for being incredibly tall and just for being a college athlete because that's what she is. She's still a student. She's still a college student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, like we, we got to see. We sorry. My uh, whole thing that my whole <laughs> point of thing was that we got to see a little bit of the side of that side of things where like how prioritized athletics were at our school, even even though we weren't like a crazy Division One school or anything, we weren't we still had like you know we still had teams that we still had sports teams that people are the coaches were recruiting people for for you know yes absolutely um yeah it was definitely interesting and it definitely interested interesting watching this documentary and being like oh okay like I I can see where the loopholes are um so But um, anyways, we're going to hop into it. Um, So like we said, this is mostly from uh, the Netflix documentary series. Um, Not documentary. It's a documentary movie. It's about an hour and 40, uh, hour and 50 minutes. So it's definitely um, a one-off quick thing you can watch. Um, Very unlike the last couple uh, (laughs) things we've done, which have been multiple episodes. Yeah. Um, And then also I have uh, the Wikipedia page pulled up just so we can get a basic coverage of information and then we can kind of talk about it as we go Um, the documentary is uh predominantly reenactments some footage of uh the real people um but mostly it's actors who are literally reading off the fbi transcripts Uh, yeah and it, the I thought the reenactment thing would kind of bother me, but the fact that they are word for word actual transcripts of conversations that occurred, it doesn't like bother me at all because it's just people reading out actual words. Like while you're watching it, you're like, this is legitimately things that people said about yep. their own children, which some people say some fucked up shit about their own kids. Yes, days. yes. Um, so, uh, w- well, w- let me give the background information and then we'll kind of hop into it um, and give some of our responses to it. Because um, it's honestly just wild. But I first off want to ask Abby, how did, I know how, 
but um, for the audience members, we got, we started school in 2009. Started high school? Oh, we started high school in 2009. I'm sorry, 2013. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so we started college in 2013. And how did you find out that you got accepted? Um, I found out I accepted, I got accepted because, so our school is pretty small. So the admissions counselors, like they have a, a pretty small number of kids that, on, that are on their like list that they're in charge of admitting into the college or whatever. Um, so they actually write you, um, handwritten letters when you get accepted mm -hmm. and that usually comes after your admission comes but mine came before oh package came so I had a handwritten letter that said, started with congratulations you're in and I was like I made it <laughs> so I was so excited and I remember like freaking out I was reading the letter and like my heart was beating so fast my dad was in the kitchen he was like jumping up and down with me we were so excited yeah. yeah. I was going to say, time. I was going to say, um, I remember it was it, weird. My dad was also there when I found out my mom was not home. Um, I got the letter in the mail and I opened the letter and I think that it might've got there at the same time that the note came in. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or no, it actually, that note came later, but my letter came first. And I do remember like, it was a like one of the first warm days of March. And so all of the like windows were open and I just remember opening it up and just being so excited. Um, mostly cause my parents went to the college that we went to. So it, it felt extra spe special knowing I would be walking my family, my parents' footsteps. Um, so, but, uh, so I say that because we actually open up the movie with watching acceptance letters and by acceptance letters, I mean, it's now all online, which is super yeah. weird. And they press buttons or open up their email. And there's something I think that like, I don't feel like that's as special. You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like that's why they like do those reaction videos of themselves opening it up because like it's more it gives it at least a little bit more excitement that you can like remember and hold on to rather than like holding on to a letter or holding on to a piece of paper yeah you that's know? fair I mean I think it makes sense for this this generation of like it does <laughs> yeah so um but so we open up with that um and basically um reading off like I said for Wikipedia 2019, um, the scandal rose um, due to criminal conspiracy to influence undergraduate admission decisions at several top American universities. The investigation into the conspiracy was codenamed Operation Varsity Blues. The investigation and related charges were made public on March 12th of 2019. Little did we know what would come a year later, literally the <laughs> same day, um, by the United States federal prosecutor, at least 53 people had been charged as a part of the conspiracy, a number of who pleaded guilty or agreed to plead guilty. Uh, 33 parents of college applicants are accused, were accused of paying more than $25 million between 2019 and 2018. 
um, to William Rick Singer. He's throughout the documentary just mentioned as being Rick, who um, basically Rick Singer had uh, originally been a college basketball coach, gotten fired, and he kind of saw this this back door or side door, as he likes to mention it, um, that was open for basically these niche uh, these niche sports that they have a certain amount of people that they have money for and can recruit. And you can also be seen as a walk-on athlete. So he would have people pose as these niche athletes to kind of get their foot in the door and then like gently be pushed through. Um, and everything that they did was through money transfers um, through his company called uh, either Key Worldwide Foundation. He also had like a something like star thing. I don't know off the be top of my head. Be a star or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was like weird. But um, primarily it was basically where the money would get quote unquote donated. Um, and that way, which I didn't even think about it the first time until I was rewatching it. But because they're donations, they're written off taxes. Mm-hmm. So yep. like it's an extra fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Because rich people can write off so many things as tax as tax exemptions so okay so the way that it worked the way that the the whole doors thing worked was Mm -hmm. that they they described there's the front door which is the student applies they get in based on their academics grades whatever there's the back door which is where parents donate money to the school and then the student gets in uh theoretically but they don't always get in if if Mm -hmm. you uh donate millions of dollars um, they're saying in the beginning of the documentary that like some schools are expecting 25 million to 50 million dollars of donations um, from a single family to get their kid into college, which is fucking crazy because it really is true. As they point out, like colleges are not seen as education necessarily anymore. It's really seen as like a, a like status mark of approval, something to brag about. Something that like where you go says who you are and who you'll quote unquote be in the future is what is what I guess these families also really think of like, oh, well, we want the bragging rights to say that our child got into Harvard. Exactly, exactly. And just like the status that it gives you. And they're living they said they were living like vicariously through their children so anyway so there's the front door and the back door and then rick singer had the side doors and he claims to have done like 700 of these yes uh, side door deals which is where you are recruited as a college athlete um but you're not actually an athlete uh so essentially they lie on the student's application say that they're an athlete and then they pay off the coaches um people from admissions who they need to pay off and just the school in general but that's actually a lot cheaper than the backdoor option so instead of being millions of dollars of donations it's uh you know 200,000 to 500,000 usually the other thing that they pointed out was that the backdoor is not a guarantee that the student gets in but right. because of this side door 
it was, as they said in it, a guaranteed spot at a bargain price. Yeah, so it was a guaranteed spot because it was a guaranteed spot on a sports team, and that made it, you know, guaranteed admission. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because if these if these coaches would come to admissions and say, "I want to recruit this student for my, for the team," I really want them to be there. Then the admissions people are going to make sure that the student gets in. Oh so, yeah, especially with these Division One teams, the amount of money that athletes bring into schools are primarily why colleges have sports teams, exactly, or why they they their sports teams get um, increased in rank because these big schools, like when they have those big stadiums and sponsorships and so on and so forth, like they're making the money. The athletes are not making the money. They don't honestly, most of the time they don't see a cent of it. Yep. So, but that's besides the point on that, but um, yes. So um, Rick Singer sets up the side door and basically what, caused everything to come crumbling down was that one of his past clients had um, got uh, charged on an unrelated charge and decided to throw Rick Singer under the bus. He got snitched on. Yeah, he got snitched on. But Rick Singer, and this I thought was interesting, which our boy, um, oh my God, what's his name? Our boy? Uh, Who's our boy in this? (laughs) Our boy uh, Robert Fisher, he was in the heist, the the art heist. Oh, really? Yeah. So the lo- yeah, you didn't recognize him? No. The oh, guy so- with the lisp. Hmm. The guy with the lisp. No, the f- he had used to be a federal prosecutor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think. Yes. I, 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 so, um, so yes, so we we saw him again, and I was like, I know you. Um. He brings up the fact, and this is kind of why it's related to the art heist. Typically within organized crime, you start with the buyers and then you have them rat out the higher ups. But this special case, they got the seller, which is, you know, Rick, uh, Rick in this case, singer. And then he wired himself up to get all the other people through a scheme of saying, oh, the IRS is auditing us. Um, so you're like, this is what you should say if they call you, which of course, as we realized, and they point out white collared, uh, white collared people are, they, they have no filter on the phone. They will say anything versus like mafia and, you know, these like drug trade, um, mafia type uh, gangs they they talk in code they know what to say they know what not to say on the phone yeah. because they know that it's a possibility of being wiretapped but these also, people mm. when you were watching this did you also then try and think about every phone conversation you've ever had and what could have been perceived as criminal or not <laughs> because I started to think about that because because at, at the very beginning of the documentary they say like um you never you don't know like it's unbelievable what people will say when they don't know that the feds are listening and I was like yeah how often have the feds been listening to me how have I incriminated myself (laughs) 
But see, here's the thing. I don't think I don't think that we're important enough. Plus, we have a podcast and we talk about the same shit we talk on the phone with each other. So if anything, that's more incriminating. And we readily give it to people. But shout out to the FBI agent that's listening to this episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, no, so um, I, I didn't think about that stuff. I was mostly thinking about the fact that like, like looking at like spy films, they don't, didn't have to put anything in those people's phones. They just tapped the phones. Like yeah. they just were just like, hey, let's tune into this station today. But that's, that's literally why it's called tapping in or whatever, because you just plugged a little headset into the thing and you could listen to their conversation. Exactly. So yeah, I definitely had that moment where I was like, wow. But um, Abby, since I know that you definitely, um, I know that you're knowing you that you're going to want to and love to talk about some of the sassy things and really bad things that they actually said on the phone, which as we said, is exactly how they said it and what they said because the the script is literally the transcripts. So you're listening, so you're watching it and you're, you're hearing what they're saying and you, while also realizing and recognizing that these are legitimate words that these people's children read about themselves from their parents. It's like how your parents talk about you when you're not around. Like imagine if your parents talk, your parents, the people who fucking made you who you are, talk shit about you like that when you're not around. Like it's oh, my so- parents definitely talk shit because I've been in the other room where they start talking shit and don't know that I'm there. And then I'm like, excuse me. Oh my God. Wait, yeah. really quick, really quick. Anna, um, Anna, not antidote anecdote anecdote (laughs) oh my god okay so my mom um good old joanne if you're listening which i know she's not but um so um i had made a tiktok the other day where i like did the taylor swift like ooh, look what you made me do uh where i flipped my hair and changed it and had makeup on and stuff like that anyway so you can go check it out but (laughs) (laughs) so all of a sudden I get a text message from my mom and I open it up and she sent me my TikTok. It says, what's wrong with your sister? And I went, and so I called my mom and I went, how about if you're going to talk shit about me, you don't send it to me. And she, she obviously goes, oh shit. And I was like, yo. So we had a good laugh about it. My dad was in the room and my mom's, my dad was like, good for you. And I was like, no, you guys are like, Marissa's almost 27. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She needs to go get a life. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so uh, I I think that it's very, it can be dangerous to have, see what your parents say about you um, when you're not around, but that mother, do you want to talk about what that mother said that I was like, holy shit, if I was that child, I would have lost my shit. Um, the stupid comment? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, okay. So they are talking about how, uh, in addition to doing this, like, back alley 
fake athlete recruiting. Rick Singer also had a hookup to take the ACTs or the SATs for students. So the students would take like a fake. Uh, so, take- okay, so what they would specifically do was that he would make it so that they looked like they had a learning disability. Yes, um, so they could take. So they could take the uh, test within multiple days. So like they could yeah. come back an- the next day and have a certain. Well, not even just that. It was that they were literally taking them in a completely different state for some of them because they yeah. had to take it in California. Um, they got more time, but, um, because of that, which I was like, really? So they had a separate Scantron sheet. Um, and so the student would fill it out and then hand it in, but it wasn't the official transcript Scantron. I just said it too. Um, okay. So, um, this individual who, um, I didn't get his name, but he had gotten a nearly perfect score on the ACTs would then correctly sign in the bubbles and then throw away their answers so that the students really thought that they were taking the exam, um, but they had not taken the exam. Um, and so I was like, first off, like manipulation of, of the system on multiple levels of like, You know, where you're like sitting there and you're like, the poor, the poor kids who are like, I actually have a learning disability or I am actually neurodiverse and I needed the extra time. And these people not only pay, some of them even did the back door, the side door and they did the test taking. Mm -hmm. Um, So like he had multiple things going on and it's just crazy to see like, how easily the system was manipulated and how it had gone on for so long and how much money gets you. Yes. And it's, it's so sad to think that these kids like legitimately thought that they were taking the ACTs or the SATs and they, their answers were just thrown away. Like your parents do not believe in you at all. Yes. So this, there's, in the documentary, there's a reenactment of a conversation between a mother and Rick Singer, where she's saying to Rick Singer, like, oh, my older daughter, you know, she's fine with, go- you know, getting the accommodation and going to this uh, out-of-state testing facility to take the test. But my younger daughter, she's the one that I'm going to have to figure out, like, how to talk to her because she's not stupid like my older daughter. Like, so fucked up she's like oh yeah my older daughter's totally going along with it doesn't care but my younger daughter like actually cares and actually wants to get this score on the ACT my young my my older daughter said she she couldn't care less if she even goes to college but my younger daughter really wants to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so sad I'm like if I was the older child I would be so sad and so disappointed and most of these parents we're not telling most of them were not telling their kids some of them they were like hey like get in the swimming pool and pose or like olivia jade which a lot of people know because of this case um of her with the posing as a uh, rower um but like when we say these niche sports teams we mean things like crew and fencing and sailing um, sailing and water polo um because those really do open the door but also here's the other thing these are these are rich white people sports yeah 
Like these are not people of color or or minority group exposure. No one goes to high school and goes, oh, I'm I'm not rich. Let me go and play fucking fencing as a sports team, which actually one of the girls from my high school got got into Harvard because of fencing. Wow. And I was like, but also, what's the point of fencing? <laughs> They're not real swords. They're not real swords. Um, water pole, like it, these are all sports that eventually could be played in the Olympics, but like they're not, they're not put on TV. Like you don't, <laughs> yeah, like, you don't okay. get sponsorships or anything from from fencing or um, sailboating. Correct? But the thing is, the, I guess not. I don't know. I don't know the world of fencing or the world of sail sailing. Actually my sophomore our sophomore year I took a stupid I had to take this mandatory class um called information and technology that was like the worst most annoying I think everyone had to take that yeah class every, to get every out of. single student had to take it yeah so it was the most and it was the most annoying class in the entire universe like I hated every second of it and I hated the professor because like a he said a bunch of racist shit in the class but also <laughs> In front of black student, in two black students, and when the black students tried to argue with him, he was like, "No, I'm right." Anyway, um, <laughs> it's really fucked up. It's really, really fucked up. But anyway, he was also he thought he was really hot shit because he had he was like, "I've written two books," and do you know what they were about? Fencing. What? I was like, "Nobody's gonna read your goddamn fencing books. You're not special." <laughs> I think people Nobody would say flying fuck about fencing. No, I think Sorry. more I think more people would be open to reading a book on chess than they would be on fencing. Right? Like <laughs> who cares? Literally yeah. nobody gives a fuck. See, my high school also weirdly, we had a curling team. Okay. Sure. We won the championship because there was only one other team in the state. They got cute little jackets, though, but they definitely set up that team so that they could put it on their applications for college, for sure. Because I don't think that that team exists anymore. I literally think that they had it for one year (laughs) and then it was gone. Um, But yeah, so these these weirdly specific teams, um, because also not a lot of people are applying to play those sports like it's not like soccer or baseball or football which definitely has more attention and also these people got in and then never stepped feel stepped on the field or got into the pool like they didn't show up to practice they were basically like these invisible people on the roster which apparently that's what olivia jade was like at her school like she never actually went to the practices for the rowing team or whatever even though she was officially on the rowing team she never actually like went to the practices or the matches or whatever she she just didn't participate in it at all and had it but she was like and supposedly she didn't know everything is what I have heard from outside sources that she didn't like know exactly how much like she didn't know that her parents were like paying for her to get in but her parents told her that she had to be on the crew team if she wanted to go to the school but that she didn't actually have to go to the practice and she was like whatever I don't know what that means yeah I have a lot of issues 
with Olivia Jade. Um, but I first want to get into a few things before we hop into that, because I know I'll just yeah. go on a rant for a while. But um, so as also in a part of the documentary, they mentioned that Ivy League schools are mostly um, like a lot of people want to get into them because of the prestige. And the prestige is literally French for deceit. Um, and, uh, also, you know, they stay as prestigious of schools as they are because of their very low acceptance rate, which Mm -hmm. almost makes the demand higher. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, and they also say like, technically the academic education is not better than other schools. Like there, the United States is lucky enough because we have plenty of international people who come to the U S for college. Um, but there are plenty of schools for people to get into, but when everyone is going and applying for the same schools, like that's when the, that's when you run into like rejections and, and whatnot. Um, I know that our acceptance rate at our undergrad was relatively high because there wasn't that many people who were applying also based on the location demographic there, there was a lot of, of things, um, a lot of factors that were playing into it versus like UMass Amherst, like it's a state school. It's a very large school. It's also a party school. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to go here, which, you know, again, creates their acceptance rate as lower because more right. people are applying and they can't take everybody. That's just right. the truth. Um, and I remember not knowing, like not really realizing that, uh, not really realizing how intense the that process was or like how intense it was at those schools that were like more prestigious um, because my mom took me on a tour of Tufts without knowing like anything about Tufts just like she had heard mm-hmm. of it and was like you should tour here and so I was like okay and then when we were sitting in the waiting room waiting to go on the tour with like you know 12 other kids and their parents I was looking at the pamphlet that they gave me and it literally was like 90% of the people we accept are in the top 10% of their class and I was like well I'm not (laughs) yeah I mean um you know my high school we had a school newspaper and at the end of the month or not end of the month end of the year which my mom was apeshit about um they uh posted everyone's name with the college that they were going to on the map of the United States um parading who got into Harvard and Dartmouth and all these big Ivy League schools but my mom was like why is that necessary to rub it in kids faces who maybe are taking a gap year or maybe they're like hey like I can't afford college right now like but I also went to a very rich and privileged high school that like we had students of color still bust in to make it diverse like that's how uh, how divided, I guess, or, um, unequal and privileged, uh, our school was, but it it definitely, it's, to me, it made no sense because all of the schools I applied to, I got accepted to, or I got, um, oh my God, or I got put on the waiting list because they weren't big schools and they weren't popular schools, which, 
really played into it too versus like these people trying everyone trying to do nyu or just like applying for a job like if you're applying for a job that everyone else is applying to that's a lot of people you have to beat out mm-hmm. like you know so um but anyways um so uh going down a little bit um so also i just really quickly rick singer interesting fellow they mention him talking to a girl he a woman who he had gone on a date with once and she mentioned like that they both started working really young yes oh my god that was like I was like if that's not a red flag on a date what is uh yeah so he basically she was like oh yeah like I was really young I had a paper route he was like, oh, yeah, I was a minor and I would convince the older kids to buy booze and I would sell the booze to other minors. And I'm like, that's illegal. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That was never a thing that came across my mind as, as a child that I was like, huh, what if I was just dealing out booze like the prohibition, like undergrad? <laughs> and again like if I was on a first date with somebody and they were like this is what I did as a child I would be like are you okay I've like, gone on similar I've gone on similar dates where the guy was like yeah I did so much coke that if I do it again I'll probably have an aneurysm and I was like I'm gonna leave <laughs> he got a nosebleed during our date too <laughs> Can we can we make a side podcast where we just talk about all your your bad dating stories? Uh, all you of know, our bad dating stories collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we can make that a bonus episode because I I can easily tell the. I mean, it'll be very not safe for work, but I oh, can no. I can easily tell so many great stories. <laughs> yeah, you know what I, I <laughs> yes, I I oh about. yes, I love to bring it back up. Anyways, so um, basically, Rick Singer at this point, I still believe, has not been charged and put in jail for any of this because he worked with the FBI to get everybody else. Um, but one of these poor gentlemen, um, his oh, yeah. name John, um, John. I felt so bad for that guy. I did too. Um, John Vandermore. Um, he had been one of the sailing coaches for Stanford. Um, and he was probably one of the only people in this case who I don't think he realized what he got into. Yeah. Um, like, he honestly, like, <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him because he like he really didn't do it on purpose. No. So to kind of explain <laughs> to kind just of just trying to be a nice guy. Yeah. So basically the issue that he ran into was that Rick Singer came to him, had been trying to proposition him of like, hey, can you like wink wink make a spot for the student? And he was like, Oh, like I really can't. Like I'm kind of done with recruiting. Like I don't have any I don't have any space on the team for her. Um, but, uh, you know, if I can help out in any other way, like, you know, the casual, like nice, nice guy stuff. Um, the girl got in through a different side door, not through sailing. Um, but Rick was like, oh, because of all of your help, I'm going to donate, I think 
$50,000 or $500,000 to the no, ceiling. It was like- it was like a hundred thousand or something, but uh, an amount of money. And so, um, John explains that like the sailing team was always fighting for money for fundraising that he wasn't taking this money. He didn't realize that it was a bribe. He genuinely thought that they were just donating to, um, to the team. So he, he kept putting the money into the team and he, that's honestly one of the the things that saved him when it came to prosecution was that I think he only ended up getting a uh, six month, six months of, um, of house arrest um, and but, like wearing like a monitor. Said, but like he said, the rest of his life is basically ruined. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the judge literally was like, I have never seen a case like this where the person didn't benefit from any money whatsoever. Like he didn't take a single penny yeah. versus you have these other people who are like the, the coach, the head of athletics for Stanford or like, you know, uh, the, the USC what, lady. Yeah. The USC lady, the men's, um, the soccer, soccer coach. coach the yeah the water polo like they were taking money and putting it directly into their pockets they were getting thousand dollar checks like here and there the lady who was like she was like the athletics director or whatever Mm -hmm. at usc um they said he was paying rick singer was paying her like fifty thousand dollars a month yeah exactly a month just to do this shit yeah Mm-hmm. And she, um, that was he was paying her. Like it wasn't like he was donating to the college. He was literally paying directly to her. That all that money went right to her. Yes. So yes. And and they kind of also had at one point expressed um in the documentary how difficult it is to get into these prestigious schools, going off what Abby was saying of like going to Tufts. Like Tufts is a very big, well-known school. Definitely, it's not an Ivy League, but it's definitely up there on prestige. It's up there with its reputation for sure. Yes. Um, but they were saying, like, if you are um, a student and you only take three AP classes, but your school offers 15, like you're automatically out of the top 50 schools in the country, which mm-hmm. I was like, is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Um, and so that, that definitely shed light on it of how hard these kids are working and they still got rejected. Some of them, or at least one of them got rejected simply because people like Olivia Jade had taken their spots, who this, I guess, is our transition into Olivia Jade, um, who, if you don't know, um, is a internet personality slash influencer. Um, she hated school, didn't want to go to college, wanted to drop yes. out of high school. Oh, but she's also Lori Laughlin's daughter Lori Laughlin yes. of Full House fame aka Aunt Becky uh yes. Aunt Becky be bribing people mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh so you know she didn't want to go to college but her parents wanted her to go to college because as Abby had said previously they were living through her and her sister going to college because they hadn't gone to college right so um, they play they play a bunch of clips of her mm-hmm. they play a bunch of clips of olivia jade talking about this whole experience like before it became a scandal just talking about college in general mm-hmm. and, and 
school, high school, whatever. And they may, they really, I don't know if it's that she actually is a brat or they're trying to make her look like a brat, but they really succeed in making her look like a huge brat because mm. she like, they show her on her first day of, uh, of her senior year of high school and she's like oh my god I've done one class and I already want to die and then (laughs) she's like gets home she's like I hate school I hated it I know that I'm lucky to be able to go to school but I hate school yeah and it's it's fine to hate school it's it's fine that Mm -hmm. if you're not an academic person but it just makes her look so bratty because yeah she has such a like rich kid attitude about it like exactly exactly and the other thing is is like she I don't, I don't see why she needed to fake being on a sports team in the first place. Like there are some colleges that they're very willing to take celebrities. Like right. that's something that they want to do, whether they've earned it or not. But right. Um, like how many, how many celebrities do we know that have got to be know personally? How many celebrities can you think of who've been to like fame, like who've been to Ivy league schools, you know? Uh, Emma Watson at Brown, but Emma Watson, but you know, Emma Watson got it and deserved it because she studied her ass off. That girl, that woman is a queen. (laughs) The Sprouse twins went to Columbia or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And apparently they were big sluts. Were they really? Yeah. (laughs) If only... If only. In New York. Uh, or no, they didn't go to Columbia. They went to NYU. But the. Mm. Oh, uh, same. Whatever. Same. We were on the same coast. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but there's also a part of it. Like she didn't have to go to college. She was successful. She had pallets. Like she was making good money. She also, not to be that way, is the child of two celebrities. She's a child. She never of- had to work again in her life. Or uh, ever. Her her dad is like a fashion designer. Designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, her dad's a fashion designer and her mom's an actress. Like they have so much money. So much money. Exactly. She would have never had to go to college. Yeah. But she also like had gotten her own brand deals with people. Like she, she like was. She had a makeup palette at Sephora. Yeah. She honestly is very much like Kylie Jenner in that way of like, she kind of was given the perfect opportunity to thrive, especially in the makeup industry. Um, She's also gorgeous. You know, she's. Yes. Even though. (laughs) But I mean, like objectively, she's, she's. Yes. She is. She is pretty. Um, She is. She's a pretty young girl that other young girls are going to look up to and idolize yeah Uh, and she on paper has the perfect life so yeah yeah, of course um and you know they they kind of show the like cracking of like um you know one so olivia jade's um college counselor had seen that she had been flagged for usc um and that she had been flagged as the crew team recruit and he was like i know she doesn't play crew so i'm a little confused so he goes like digging into it reaches out to you and you sc SC, oh my god he calls Um, usc and he's like i know this girl does not row crew like she never rode crew in high school and 
then the U, the person at USC talks to the athletic director, who's the one that's the the link between um, Rick Singer and the the college, U, whatever USC. Mm-hmm. Um, and she calls Rick Singer and is like, "Hey, her college, her high school." guidance counselor is like ratting her out and then they have like on tape again they have an uh, um they have a verbatim statement where they're taught where they're talking about it with olivia jade uh the parents Lori laughlin and i've whatever his name is yeah um where they're talking with their daughter and they're like oh um you have to be careful because the weasel is gonna like yeah it is waiting because Olivia Jade like had asked, "Should I put Crew on my or no? Should I put USC I put as my top choice? Mm-hmm. As my top choice school?" And like, well, the weasel might work his way in. And he uh, and the dad even was like, "He's a nosy bastard. Fuck yep. him." Blah 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 yep. blah blah. And this is all ri- written in court document. Like, it's just so interesting. Um, and so and there's also this part unrelated where like rick singer like auditions for a reality tv show (laughs) um like he's just super interesting by the way he was he's literally the least like uh like based on that video he's like the least interesting person to have on a fucking oh no absolutely not (laughs) like like now knowing what he did now yeah you're interested in him but like the the uh the way that they describe how he was as a person they're like oh he he worked literally nonstop. he woke up at four o'clock in the morning and didn't smile he never smiled he was always really serious never made a joke never had a sense of humor he was like very like serious and by the book on everything well didn't didn't let people in but then also he's like sharing all this stuff yeah and he was like also like like weirdly private um but he was Which just, like, seems very out. opposite to go wanting to be have your own reality TV show. Yeah, that so, draws more attention. But then he's auditioning for a reality TV show when you're literally like a, just a fucking weirdo. Like, <laughs> do you yeah. think he was like egotistical and he thought people would be interested in him? I think so. I think if to do 700 people, and I think at a certain point, the amount of money is more worth more than the risk true of like getting caught so he's like oh i've gotten away with it so long for so long because they the first signs of it was 2011 um but they definitely were like he's he's been scheming people for a while um so I, i definitely think it's just over that period of time has just built and built and built where he's like i'm almost untouchable especially with the language and the stuff he says on the phone like he sounds cocky and he he's very smart you can tell by the way that he would talk on the phone when the parents would be like when the parents would be like well are we gonna get in trouble for this or whatever and he's like he would like dance around very yeah he would dance around the question every single question that was asked of him he never gave a direct answer Mm -hmm. like he was always unless it was like are you going to get my kid into school and then it was yes I guarantee I will get your kid into school but every other conversation was like skirting around like um you know I have some connections some friends Mm -hmm. that I talk to and I have these side doors that I use and he was just talking in these like very vague like roundabout ways instead of directly admitting like 
I facilitate bribery. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, but he gets caught. Um, the FBI goes to him, they wire him up and he gets all these people, um, from calling them and being like, Hey, we're being audited. Like, don't say anything. Um, and then, so basically when it broke, um, so this is the allegation. So the federal prosecutor alleged a college admission scheme that involved bribing exam administrators to facilitate cheating on college and university entrance exams bribing coaches and administrators of elite universities to nominate unqualified applicants as elite recruiting athletes, thus facilitating the applicant's admission and Mm -hmm. using a charitable organization to conceal the source and nature of laundered bribery payments. Um, The method of fraudulent admissions, uh, Singer primarily used two fraudulent techniques to help Client children gain admission, um, cheating on college entrance exam, and fabricating fabrication of elite uh, sports credentials. Which at, at one point, one of the other women in the beginning had brought up that he had been changing the races of students early yes. earlier, I believe, in his career. Yeah. So they say when he first started out as a counselor, um, he was is he was doing small scale stuff and they were saying they believed that like at first some of the things he was doing were genuine like he was genuinely coaching kids and and helping them you know get into colleges in the best way like get get into their their dream colleges not like guaranteeing it but he was coaching them helping them Mm -hmm. and uh which is perfectly fine and legal but then he would also do in addition to the like regular recruiting or regular coaching he would do sneaky side stuff and he would literally say that an applicant was that a white applicant was black or um latino instead of it it like yeah it's it's that's real problematic it's real fucked up yeah so that they would get affirmative action yes exactly which um someone brought it up to me just as a side, I, I'll probably just cut this out later. But it was brought up that affirmative action was actually created for white women. Really? To diversify women into getting into colleges and getting into the workforce originally. I see. Interesting. Right? Anyways, so, um, okay, so we've got, um, um, these are the colleges that were involved. Um, so we've got Georgetown University, Stanford University, United, the United States, the University of California, Los Angeles, um, which UCLA, University of San Diego, University of Southern California, uh, University of Texas at Austin, Wake Forest University, and Yale University. Um, the parents, I'm not going to list through because honestly, I don't know who the hell majority of them are and really don't care all that (laughs) so but in addition to in addition to um the the big the big ones which are Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman who were involved um there's like parents who are authors who are hedge funds yeah hedge fund people like basically just all the rich elite uh parents who wanted their who wanted to increase their status yes. by getting their 
Uh, Felicity Huffman had also been one of them because a lot of people. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, So to get um, at least Lori Laughlin um, and her husband, I don't know how to say his name, so I'm not even going to try. We know that it's not going to go well. Um, He was sentenced to five months of prison, two years of supervised release and $250,000 fine and 250 hours of community service. She, on the other hand, um, was sentenced to two months in prison, two years of supervised release, and $150,000 fine, and 100 hours of community service, which, yeah. as we know, is literally a drop in the bucket for them. Yeah, that's literally nothing. They that is nothing. They, yeah. they got slaps on their wrist for these white-collar crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... You know, and I think that that's really the point. And I think what caused a lot of the attention is that we, and they say it in it as well, we hate and yet love the rich in America. We love, because we love to look at them and be fascinated, but we also love to hate them. And um, this was just another example of how much power the like 1% of people who have all of this money can just throw around. Their kid could have easily gotten into any other college. Yeah. And and you could have at least paid off like you could have paid off five people's complete college careers with the money that they were donating. And it's right. not like these schools were giving the money to students of need. They were just taking it and pocketing it. Like and they said that they had never seen a case like this where one of the quote unquote victims being Stanford walked away $770,000 richer from donations mm-hmm. because they couldn't take the money back. Yeah. Um, also, to be completely fair, like 500 grand probably could only fund like one student's tuition at a major university at a a major university yes but i'm saying like but at like yeah i know i know like any other college you know and it just it's really frustrating especially in the pandemic like just knowing that there's so many people who are struggling to put food on their table that these people are just so willingly to throw money around, but not to help anybody other than themselves. Yeah. Um, I think is what hurt the most for a lot of people. I think, you know, I you and a lot of people were saying, like, do you blame the parents or do you blame the universities for having these side doors? Yeah. For having the loopholes. And, you know, I definitely, I think that they're both to blame. And I definitely think that the universities should have taken a harder hit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think, yeah, I mean, every party involved should have been hit harder should have been hit harder than they actually were in reality. In reality, the the everybody got off scot-free basically like it's not going to also like i 
I do feel bad for, I feel bad the most for the students because they're the ones that are like, some of them didn't even know that this was happening, you know, but they, I, but I also know that they'll be okay. You know, like they're still going to be fine. Yeah. They'll, they'll just need years of therapy, but they'll still be able to go to <laughs> college. I mean, whatever. I feel like we all need years of therapy. Yeah. So like, mm, it's not like a really big deal, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting because in our experience from going to our school, we were like, there was a part of it where, you know, you're reading like, you're reading college essays and you're reading, like, you're looking at people's grades and stuff. And you're like, there is a, there is a part of you that's, you're like, okay, like, some of these people worked really hard to get to college. And some of these people, especially a lot of time athletes, they get accepted into these colleges and they don't care about their grades whatsoever, but they're taking majority of the money because NCAA is giving them the money and the resources. Mm -hmm. While Mm -hmm. as, uh, as Sal had pointed out, the NARPs, the non-athletic regular people Mm -hmm. um, are kind (laughs) of, are kind of treated like, Right. They're not treated the same way. I think any, anyone who has gone to high school and seen how athletes are treated in high school, that's almost amplified when you get to college of like, definitely is amplified. I I think, I mean, we also had the um, experience of seeing and knowing people who went to college and were like, I literally only came here because I got an athletic scholarship. I'm here to play sports. I'm not here to get it. Like the degree is a side, is a, is a side gig. Like, mm-hmm. exactly. Know, they exactly. Weren't, they didn't give a flying fuck about the academics and they didn't care what happened to them. Like in four years when they would graduate, like they just did not give a fuck. Yes. But at the same time, some of, some of these, uh, you know, some of these sports are the only chances that students can get to go to college. Mm-hmm. And so you have this continuous double-edged sword of just like, do you make it harder? Do you make it easier? Do you, like, I think that, you know, if given the choice, obviously uh, anyone would probably say this, but it shouldn't be where you have to sell an arm and a leg to go to college. Yeah. And it's really, it's more and more feeling like that, especially with college scandals like this. And this, is, like, why, this is why we need to, you know, just uh, abolish capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I mean, baby steps. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely just been um, interesting to watch it. But it also, I think, made me more mad and just really wishing that people would do better you know everyone in this case should have done better it's incredibly frustrating but yeah I really never like the documentary is so interesting I didn't realize how involved it was I didn't I didn't really have any kind of clue about uh like I knew that Olivia Jade had gotten in by pretending to be on the crew crew Mm mm-hmm Theme, but I didn't realize that that was or not pretend like pretending she knew how to row crew but 
um I didn't realize that that was what he did with like a lot of the students and that was what they like they show for dramatic effect they show them like photoshopping images of um you know kids playing sports like they literally would photoshop them into these situations so that it would look on paper like they actually were these great athletes it's I had no idea that that was a thing <laughs> like yeah yeah it's it's honestly really sad to be completely honest. It is. It is really sad. And I, I, like I said, I do feel bad for some of these kids who didn't actually know what was happening, you know, like had mm-hmm. no clue what was going on and just thought that they had gotten into their dream school or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there was, okay. So in this, there was uh, responses to the scandal. Um, so quickly in response to the scandal, the, Uh, NCAA, the chief governing body of college sports in the United States, announced plans to review the allegations to determine the extent to which the NCAA rules may have been violated. Um, U.S. Senator Ron Wyden of of the Senate Finance Committee plans to sponsor a bill making donations to schools taxable if the donor has children attending or applying to the college. Wow. Separately, Senator Chris Coons and Johnny Ixon have agreed to reintroduce 2017 legislation that imposes a fine on colleges and universities that have smaller proportions of low-income students. Snaps on that. Yeah. Um, one of the parents who was convicted, Robert Zangrillo, was pardoned by President Donald Trump on his final day in office. <laughs> and that's that on that <laughs> and that just tells you the type of person that does this shit anyway <laughs> um so really uh i would be shocked if anything really changed to be completely honest i don't see i don't see the small amount of fines and I think the response was sensationalized, but I don't think that there's going to be a driving force to actually really change anything, especially when a lot of people who are in these positions of power went to those colleges. Right. And are exactly. And the, you know, I witnessed like a family legacy or whatever, like reputation getting you into no 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 not (laughs) the family legacy like getting you into the ivy league schools because a kid that i went to high school with like literally did not have to report um uh oh it's suspended for illegal activity um and he, he the only reason why he didn't have to report it to Princeton where he was applying was because his dad was a lawyer, his dad went to Princeton, his grandfather went to Princeton, his great great grandfather went to Princeton. And so they came in and told the principal, shh, 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 take that off his transcript. And they did. My other thing that I just want to ask is like, if these students, like, okay, I know that the system is broken and the SATs and ACTs is not a good representation of how people are learners and shouldn't be the major obstacle that prevents students from getting into colleges. Um, Because I specifically remember my college uh, counselor being like, yeah, you should really apply to schools that don't take, take SAT scores. I was like, 
Thanks. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, my other question is you're accepting these students. Are they just going to buy their way through their degree? Because if they're not do if like, if they're not doing well and they're not studying and, and maybe, maybe they're not great students in general, yeah. you're putting them into these situations that they're not going to thrive in and they're not going to get anything from it from just getting the title at the end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it is hard, really hard watching some of these students in the documentary who are so obsessed with these colleges that they're crying. One of the girls had her hair dyed purple to like match. Like, did you notice that? When I rewatched it, the colors of the school were purple and her hair was like purple. And she was decked out in everything. Her fingernails were painted in the purple. And then she got, re- uh, she got waitlisted, which also waitlisted does not mean that you got rejected. No, it doesn't. But uh, that's, damn, that's so sad. Yeah. And so you're sitting there going, these kids worked so hard, busted their butts, took AP classes that, in courses that they didn't even want or weren't interested in just to get yeah. into these schools that you know like one of one of the best quotes that uh, I had gotten from somebody that um, was in charge at our school was that at the end of the day it doesn't matter the name of the college that is on your degree or on your resume it's the well-roundedness of the person who comes to the table Right. It's if you, you know, if you participated in sports, if you did extracurricular activities, if you went out and you tried a little bit of everything to really gain a sense of experience, like okay. that, that you were going to always beat out somebody who got straight A's at Harvard. Um, that's not necessarily the case all the time, depending on the field, but, <laughs> right. Right. but I get the sentiment and, um, it definitely stuck with me. And I think that, you know, it's hard out there, guys. It's hard out there. But this was definitely interesting. We highly recommend you watch it, um, especially because yeah. we also didn't do it scene by scene. Um, so now you're actually, uh, you know, don't have a, a scene by scene of what the documentary looks like. So definitely go check yes. it out. So go check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, I highly recommend. For sure, for sure. Uh, it's like I said, the the dramatic recreations are. You think it's gonna be like, oh, it's gonna be corny and bad, but it's actually like it, it's actually really interesting to watch because they're real words from real people, you know. Yeah, they're not like the forensic files, like jury <laughs> <laughs> enactments. Yeah, <laughs> it's mostly just people. It's literally just people like talking on the phone like and there there are actors that like we recognize from other stuff like isn't one of them wasn't he the dad from high school musical i might be wrong maybe i got that wrong maybe just a generic white dude (laughs) i it's probably just a generic white dude but i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up okay look it up let me know and I never had someone. <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyways, you do the way you do. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the musical break. Um, so 
Abby, what is your positive vibe? Uh, Posy vibes for the day is that it's my birthday tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> As I got your, I got it wrong. Happy birthday to me. Happy um, birthday to you. It's going to be a good day. Going to hang out, just be low-key, chill, have, which is exactly what I like to do, is be lazy and do nothing. So. Abby, what year did High School Musical come out? 2005? 2006. Okay, I was close, because I was in middle school at the time. I was, like, prime age group for it. Loved it. Loved every second of it. Thought it was the best. <laughs> I was bad! This is such a bad In case you didn't understand Marissa's reach. Sorry. She was, in fact, incorrect. And that was just a generic white man that she was thinking was Troy Bolton's dad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Operation Varsity Blues. Incredible news, honestly. I am. <sighs> I mean, listen, there's a lot of generic white dads in this uh, show. I, I didn't mean... think I recognized anybody, honestly. Is it this one? What is, what is he in? He's been in stuff. What are you in? What? do I know you from hmm. literally everything thunderball no I don't what is that the good wife no suits oh arrested development suits I know him from suits okay okay bet bet he, oh and drop dead gorgeous and castle okay he's been in stuff there was yeah. a quite quite a bit of people that I was like, they're definitely those people that are just like in the background of like side characters. You know. There's anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. My um highlight or positive vibe is that um I have mango mochi ice cream balls in the freezer oh fuck yeah you do so i'm very excited to eat out but i didn't um uh, life's a struggle right now so i'm gonna just stay with that okay so don't forget to check us out on our social media and don't forget to email us suggestions also shout out to our only patreon person rebecca shout out to you shout out rebecca subscribe to our patreon someday there will be content on there we promise someday we will do all the things we've promised um and until that day I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, uh, check us out on uh, Twitter at CWC Pod, um, ca- Instagram Caffeinated Crimes Pod, Caffeinated Crime Pod. Yeah. This is why I always do the social media. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> start. You can start over. I'll cut it. <clears throat> so feel free to give us a follow on we are on instagram at caffeinated crime pod at uh on twitter at cwc pod you can always email us at crimes caffeinated at gmail.com 
or uh, subscribe to our Patreon. The link is in the bio. Hell yeah. And uh, I will continue playing my princess dress up time and keep you guys updated. And and uh, I will. Oh, don't forget to send in your pictures of your cat for Catterdays. Yes. Submit pictures of your cats for Catterday. Uh, if you have a cat or if you know a cat. <laughs> my cat is currently licking his butthole. Sure is. <laughs> Sorry. Mascot of the podcast. Um. <laughs> And as always, as I'm going to definitely do later, don't forget, forget to take, take yo, yo meds. Take your meds, bitch. Boom. Bye. Bye. Bye.